0: Welcome to the Mycotoxin Matters podcast from Alltech Mycotoxin Management. As mycotoxins present an ever-increasing threat to livestock production, join us as we discuss these impacts and potential solutions, sustainable farming, and our vision for a planet of plenty.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this month's episode of Mycotoxin Matters. Today, we're looking forward to exploring more about the interaction of mycotoxins and pathogens in pigs. Individually, there's been a lot of research done on both mycotoxins and pathogens in animals. But up to now, there's only been limited work uh, that focuses on their, their interaction together. To help us understand more, we're joined today by Dr. Radka Bartova from Alltech's Mycotoxin Management Programme and Dr. Hazel Rooney from Alltech's Guth Health Team. Radka, um, you've joined us quite a bit and you'll be familiar already to many of our listeners. Hazel, I think it's your first time joining us today. Um, before we start, maybe you could give us a quick introduction to yourself and some of the areas you focus on at Alltech.
0: Thank you, Martin. And I says thank you to the whole Mycotoxin team for inviting me on today's uh, podcast. Really looking forward to this episode. Um, So as Martin said, my name is Hazel Rooney. and I've been with Alltech just a little over two and a half years. Um, So I'm based here in Alltech, Ireland. And my role is I'm the key account manager responsible for our Irish pig business. And then I'm also our European technical support for our European pig teams. So I kind of work um, in a range of areas like nutrition, health management, and welfare um, and get to travel around and see all of our different colleagues um, across Europe as well. So really exciting role and everything's going well so far. So hopefully for a good year ahead.
1: Brilliant. Well, it's good to have you on. Um, Radka. we'll start with mycotoxins. um, And I know you put a lot of work into preparing the article. um, So... You did analyze within that, I guess, some of the, the mycotoxin data related to, to swine um, finished feed globally. Maybe you could just give us a, a background into, into what that data is telling us now as regards what is the risk um, for, for pigs and is there anything interesting within that?
2: Nice to hear you again, Martin. Yes, we can go through, shortly through the detail. For the first three to four months, uh, I will refer to worldwide data looking at the finished feed for swine involving growers, finishers, sows, guilds, and nursery pigs feed. When we look at the data from Altec 37 plus lab, we can see that 98% of all samples analyzed at 37 plus lab we could see there were two to three more mycotoxins on average per sample and more. So we talk about multi-mycotoxin contamination of these samples. Of course, that's known fact. On average, there were seven, almost seven mycotoxins per sample observed when we look at these results, which is a little bit of an alarming situation. The most prevalent mycotoxins were indeed emerging mycotoxins. Uh, but they don't contribute that much in the risk, the most risky group of mycotoxins. So when I look at the uh, risk equine quantity uh, metrics, then it would be type B triglycerides, where we have our usual suspect, dioxinivarnol, which is causing the greatest risk to all uh, finished feeds for swine. So I would say the overall risk, for cells, uh, gills or even the growers and finishers would be moderate to high and the risk mainly coming from type B trichetecines and a multi mycotoxin contamination of diets.
1: Radka, in the article, I guess to to demonstrate that risk, you use the term risk equivalent quantity or REQ. Would you be able to tell our listeners in one sentence uh, what REQ is?
2: Yeah, simply REQ is risk equivalent quantity as you said, but It helps us to understand the link between mycotoxins and the animal performance. And it's basically uh, an evaluation of the total toxicity of a given mycotoxin mixture based on the amount of individual mycotoxins in reference to the oflatoxin B1. So we assess the risk for different animal species and different animal categories with basically one number, which is always a number, uh, like a concentration in relation to the toxin B1 toxicity.
1: Hazel, Radke has given us, I guess, the introduction on mycotoxins. We're also going to talk about pathogens today, uh, which falls into your area of expertise. In the article, I guess, salmonella and E. coli are referenced quite a bit as, as being problem pathogens in pigs. Would you be able to give us a, a brief background on, on both of those pathogens maybe yeah, how prevalent are they within pig herds? How big of a concern are they for producers and why their control is so important?
0: So I suppose from a pig producer standpoint, um, Salmonella and E. coli, they really are two of the biggest concerns in terms of pathogens for pig producers. And that's not only in Europe, that's right across the globe. Um, and it's something that we're always trying to keep under control. Um, on the farm. So if we just even start off with salmonella, um, so this is a type of bacteria or pathogen that can multiply within the animal's intestine and then lead to enteric diseases. And it's quite similar um, to mycotoxins in the fact that there's very specific categories or uh, serovars of salmonella can have a greater or a lesser influence in specific animals. Um, But when we actually look at the pig industry and and just focus on what's affecting pig producers, it's really salmonella typhorium and salmonella derby are the two that represent the greatest level of risk to animal health. Um, And we think of the kind of signs, I suppose, that are associated with salmonella. It's really um, to do with diarrhea and is what you see when you've got salmonella um, presence in the pig herd. So luckily, most countries have quite strict legislation um, on salmonella presence, but it is something that we always need to be mindful um, and, you know, continuous testing on farms to detect if you do have a salmonella issue. Then on the e. coli side, um, it does present quite similar effects to salmonella in that um, the clinical signs are things like diarrhoea. and um, We see a lot of dehydration and um, shivering in some cases, um, and it is a frequent challenge um, on many pig farms. And in terms of the kind of animals that are most affected by an E. coli challenge, it's mostly in the nursing and the post-weaning phase are the kind of two high risk periods for an E. coli infection. And a lot of our listeners might be aware today that the EU has brought in a ban on the use of therapeutic levels of zinc oxide. And zinc oxide was one of the key tools that pig producers used to have to manage that post-weaning diarrhea that was caused by E. coli infections. Um, but as of June of last year, and um, we can no longer use those high levels of zinc. And we now have to try and find more natural and alternative methods to controlling post-weaning diarrhea in our piglets. So just another challenge that pig producers now have to try and get under control over the next couple of months.
1: Hazel. Ra has obviously given us a very, you know, specific uh, overview of the the mycotoxin presence in finished feeds. Is it possible to quantify um, you know how frequent the the challenge is related to to e. coli or salmonella and pig herds? Um, are you able to shed any light on that from your own experience uh, working with producers or just general background?
0: I mean, we would see e. coli and um, on nearly all the units. It's not always um a case that, they're presenting uh, clinical signs a lot of the time, particularly with salmonella, it's the subclinical salmonella that's the most common presentation and the most common problem experienced by the majority of pig herds. So although your um, pigs might not be showing visible signs of an E. coli or salmonella infection, a lot of the time there is subclinical cases going on on the farm. So it's, it's extremely common and it's definitely an issue that's being seen, like I said, across the globe um, and something that we've been always really, really mindful of.
1: And being mindful, Hazel, is it fair to say that I guess the the food safety and the food chain is where a lot of that concern comes from around the human consumption of of contaminated meats?
0: Yeah, 100 percent. It's definitely a huge concern on the on the human side. So, you know, if you take salmonella, it's a really important zoonotic pathogen. And it's also one of the main causes of foodborne outbreaks and infections in the European Union. And it's the same thing when it comes to E. coli. We get a lot of food poisoning uh, caused by exposure to E. coli that can lead to diarrhea, fever and stomach cramps in humans Um, and while thankfully these cases are rarely fatal and they can be extremely unpleasant for people and usually recovery takes a couple of days to get over that. So for and Salmonella, like I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of kind of legislation in place and control programs in place as well to try and keep those levels low. Um, so if you take the UK, for example, the Food Standards Agency carries out a close monitoring of all the abattoir test results. So they will test pigs when they go to the slaughterhouse. And any action is taken if the equivalent of 6% salmonella presence is detected. So they're really trying to reduce the risk of any um, zoonosis or food-borne outbreaks occurring due to salmonella and E. coli infection in our pigs before it gets into the food chain.
1: Thank you, Hazel. Um, Radka, I guess now we've we've looked at both mycotoxins and pathogens individually. We may move along to, our, uh, to, the, in, to, to the interaction of those uh, in the animal or, or pig specifically in this case. When you looked at the literature on this, I guess, you know, is it fair to conclude that looking at the frequency of both mycotoxins and then what Hazel outlined from a pathogen perspective, is it fair to conclude that they do coexist in most cases on pig farms globally?
2: Yeah, when I listen to Hazel. They, they, they definitely do because we find mycotoxins in every feed. It's just a question not if, but how many, and what are going to be the combinations. And the problem with uh, mycotoxins and in combination with uh, salmonella or E. coli is that mycotoxins uh, or ingestion of mycotoxins can leave the pigs or leads to higher susceptibility of pigs to those diseases. It's not only bacteria, it's also viruses, it's also parasites. But on the other side, uh, Salmonella, E. coli and other diseases, they also are opening the door for mycotoxins because they also cause inflammation and destruction of the enterocytes. I mean, 70% of the immune system is located in the gut and that's where it uh, comes from. So on one side, Mycotoxins are opening the door for Salmonella and the E. coli, and on the other side, uh, Salmonella and E. coli, they can also uh, destroy the gut uh, bacteria like Lactobacilli, bifidobacteri- Bifidobacterium, but also cause inflammation of the gut and increase the passage of mycotoxins through the intestine. So. It's it works both both ways. And I would say just just to, to shortly summarize how mycotoxins opened gate uh, for bacteria because it could be interesting to understand these. It's the first everything goes through the gut. Everything starts in the gut. Mycotoxins they can cause uh, gene mutations uh, inside the enterocytes. Uh, they can modify the intestinal microflora, as Salmonella and E. coli do as well. They also alter the composition and the uh, the production of the mucus, which is protecting the gut lining. And very importantly, mycotoxins they increase the trans epithelial passage of bacteria and luminal antigens uh, due to the uh, transcellular passage, or they increase the transcellular passage because they have an impact on the tight junctions. They're just proteins which are connecting the intestinal cells. And also they... um, how to say, modify the secretion of uh, pro inflammatory cytokines. They also increase the production of IgA. And I saw they disturb the, the balance between T helper 1 and T helper cells. That's the direct immune system response, not talking about the impact of mycotoxins on the vaccination response. So, a very, very short summary how mycotoxins can open the gate for bacteria, but we have to also think the other way. Bacteria can also open the gate for mycotoxins.
1: I think it is interesting and both of you have said it Radka I guess and we think from a mycotoxin perspective we normally think of how have how mycotoxins create a a greater pathogenic risk but I think even in in the article and you've both said it here um it can often work in reverse where where pathogens are are leaving the door open for a heightened uh, mycotoxin problem in the animal as well so certainly something for for people to be aware of Hazel you know, looking through I guess again the uh, the research on this, would you think you know what what is the extent of um of the research in this area of the interaction of of pathogens and mycotoxins? Are there gaps in the research? Do you believe from your experience is something that the industry should be looking at more? Yeah, I definitely think
0: although Martin you know there is a huge amount of research and information available looking at the synergies between these two I think there's always more room for mycotoxins especially you know Raika has spoken about in the past about these emerging mycotoxins now that we're learning more about and more information is becoming available and I think as we start to learn more about those mycotoxins that's going to warrant more research being done in this place and same on the pathogen side you know we're always learning about new diseases and disease challenges in pigs so I think if you can do more research that's looking on how pathogens are going to increase the mycotoxin challenge and vice versa. If there's a high mycotoxin load in the feed, how does that then increase the prevalence um, of introducing pathogens on your herd? So I think it's, it's definitely an important area and hopefully more research is going to be conducted on this in the coming years.
1: I guess we've gone through the interaction um, and and what is leading to in the animals. Um, as we, as we move toward a, a wrap up um, from both of your perspectives, interested to hear, you know, how are we seeking to, to control both of these issues on farm? Is it a combined effort or Are are there opportunities? Should it be a combined effort, I guess, or are we doing things individually?
2: Yeah, it's a, Definitely, combined effort. I think Hazel can uh, summarize it from her perspective. I will go to the mycotoxin management very quickly. It's basically the successful mycotoxin management. Few important steps. First, we have to identify the risk. That's what we are doing when we were starting the entire discussion today, we're talking about the REQ, we're talking about knowing which mycotoxins are the most prevalent ones, which mycotoxin combinations are doing what kind of risk. That's the first, so identify the risk, test your samples. Uh, the, the, the the second one is the, the risk quantification. And the last one is the risk mitigation with the help of the mycotoxin binders, the activators. So in my opinion, that would be the three major Steps to control the mycotoxin risk, and of course, then I think Hazel can summarize how uh, we can control the environment and the, the everything from the the perspective from of the diseases, the the bacteria and the viruses, parasites, whatever.
0: Absolutely. So I suppose from from my side, when we we're working with um, pig producers, it's so important to have a robust biosecurity in place that's going to address both your external and your internal biosecurity measures. And that's really, you know, if we have a stringent biosecurity protocol in place it's going to avoid the introduction of new pathogens but then also limit their spread which is going to contribute to increase well-being of your pigs the productivity of your farms and it's going to contribute to public health as well so When we focus on biosecurity and we look at things like having adequate site security and ensuring that all your farm staff and visitors are showering in and out of the units. You know, you've got strict routine hygiene procedures for things like your boots, your clothes, hand washing and all the farm equipment Um, and it can come down to things like operating very strict all-in, all-out uh, pig flows. So, biosecurity would be the first step, and we do a lot of work with the veterinarians and the farmers themselves to put those programs in place. And then we also look at the wider approach of also improving the overall health of the pig herd and the piglet immunity as well. So, through a lot of our technologies, and um, things like actogen, that has a really beneficial effect on increasing gut health and development. Um, And also an increase in piglet immunity. So when those piglets have um, a more established immune system in place, they're going to be better able to cope with those challenges that we see with that kind of E. coli infections and that post weaning diarrhoea around weaning time. And we know as well, action obviously has a very um, positive effect on gut health and performance. So we're seeing the beneficial effect in terms of the piglets are more robust so they can withstand those challenges but they've also got a healthier gut in place as well so we see better nutrient digestion and absorption which leads to the better growth performance so it's kind of taking that holistic approach and how we can manage those pathogens and for me personally I think it all comes down to biosecurity first and then looking at improving the overall health and immunity of your herd
1: Radka, Hazel, um, thank you for sharing the, the knowledge and expertise with us today. Um, it's great to be able to get, I guess, a perspective from, from people who are working directly with uh, with producers each day in terms of how they are, are navigating the various challenges around both mycotoxins and pathogens. Radka and Hazel have only given us, I guess, a, a quick snapshot um, of, of the topic if you as a listener would like to, to read more or find out more, the full article is available online at nomycotoxins.com, uh, along with a wealth of other um, information uh, related to to a wide range of, of topics there. So go on and feel free to have a look. Um, and obviously, uh, Radka and Hazel will be more than happy to, to answer any more questions you may have. Uh, just feel free to get in touch with us there. Thank you all for joining today and we'll be back next month with another episode of Mycotoxin Matters.
0: Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening today and look forward to you joining us next time on the Mycotoxin Matters podcast. For more information on the topics discussed, please visit nomycotoxins.com. That's K-N-O-W mycotoxins.com.